0: I want to show you take a little bit into the Trump campaign here, the end of the Trump campaign into the administration. So we've got Manafort is ousted in August of 2016, and then in the same month, Bannon is then made the Trump campaign chairman. I believe that was the name that he got, and so is Kellyanne Conway. She she joins the campaign. And this was done at at Rebecca Mercer's insistence, but Rebecca Mercer shows up at a Hamptons party. She finds Donald Trump. She says to him, listen, you know, my team of Bannon and Conway are gonna get you over the edge. And he's sort of out of luck because Manafort's gone. So he says yes, or maybe he's forced to agree, and they join the campaign. He becomes, they land up winning, as we now know. And uh, soon afterwards, uh, Bannon gets the job of chief strategist and senior counselor. Not really a job that's existed before, but a job that they decided to give him nevertheless. And it was a senior enough job. You know, he was in, in all the inside important conversations, although he was not in the room when it came to the National Security Council until they made an exception for him then as well. They said, let's add the chief strategist and senior counselor to the National Security Council. And that's when he joined that. But it certainly irked the Kushners a lot. You know, Jared and Ivanka behind the scenes were known to be saying a lot of negative things around Bannon. And he in turn said a lot of negative things about them. But there was a bit of a turf war. And ultimately, as history has told us, They uh, won. Kushner and Ivanka won, and Bannon was ousted in the sort of you know unceremonious sort of duel that ended in August of 2017. He was basically with Trump for just a year. What do you make of the internal dynamics between these characters? I mean, certainly Bannon versus the family—you take the family side almost all the time—but it sort of also ruined the coalition that elected Trump because it split that apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that one of the fun things about investigating these guys is that Mm. they're all horrible. So because they're also all horrible, they also all hate each other. Right. And and so it becomes a a sort of a weird game of people who are actively working against each other, actively working with each other to do horrible things.
0: Right. Must have been a nightmare if you think about it.
1: Yeah, and my understanding is that uh, Stone and Bannon are also pretty detesting of each other. And uh, I, that might be untrue. I, I don't know either of them, so I can't speak.
2: It's true. That. We just never know what's theater and what's yeah. real. And, and yeah, and yeah.
1: that's a good point. I Actually, I grew up in New York, and mm-hmm. I knew somebody who's uh, was married to somebody who was very close to Roger Stone, mm-hmm. and they used to run these games where they would have public fights, pretend to have falling outs, actually like have screaming matches on the phone, but all the while knowing that they were not really that they were going to yes. come back and have it. So I am very suspicious about anything that comes from Roger Stone or relating to him, especially when he's having a fight with an old friend of his ever since that, because, I mean, that predated the campaign. That was one of mm. the first personal story I heard about him.
0: Yeah, uh, no, it certainly rings true. They like the theater. They like the drama of it all. And that's how they get the attention. Craig, any thoughts about the internal dynamics of that White House?
3: You know, there's there will always be turf battles and palace intrigue and all of that stuff. Mm. I think what scares me the most is I think we're at a very, very dangerous time. And there's mm-hmm. so much going on in state legislatures and voter suppression campaigns by them, all that kind of stuff. It's very scary because I, I think it looks like the Republicans may take both houses in the next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Biden's poll numbers have been dropping. So that's what scares me a lot. Yeah, And, and they're all- I making it in our own country and I, the russians know this but they are anti-democratic the way the mm. senate works uh, the gerrymandering the, the voter suppression all that is going on at a level that's very hard for the democrats to stop because uh they don't have uh local power in, in like 35 states or,
0: and they or refuse to get rid of the filibuster even they may not be a way to get rid of the filibuster but they also refuse to try i think you know, it certainly doesn't look like the Democrats are, are going to put up enough of a fight to reverse the state rules. It looks like they're sort of giving up on that, which does set up a victory for the Republicans next year. I mean, it's sort of, it's hard to imagine with all the gerrymandering going on and these voter suppression laws that the Republicans won't sweep every piece of the houses next year. And the state right, and
3: proving each individual case from mm. a reporter's point of view means really getting into the weeds. And people really, you know, I wrote voter suppression stories about the 2004 Yeah campaign in Ohio, where there were real, there's really a lot of evidence that the Republicans mm-hmm. stole Ohio, which was a whole election. No one is interested in that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very hard. I mean, they better get interested now.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what we were talking about yesterday when we had a wonderful uh, conversation with Rachel Bitticoffer on messaging and how we got to get better at it we can't hit them on the head with a long-form report on voter suppression but we can let them know that their democracy is on the line and do they want to have a democracy anymore so i think that's something that we're definitely going to be continuing I certainly to wonder work.
0: what people imagine happens when there's no democracy i mean i don't think people really understand the complexity and, and the good. awfulness of it you know it's not just you don't get to vote you know, every bit of your freedoms gets stripped away over time. Certainly your ability to speak out in any way and anything controversial in terms of, you know, the choices you make in life, but also the ability to have a, a meritocracy disappears. You know, you no longer are competing just with people based on your ability, which let's say you could do in America now, but you're competing against people who just know how to suck up basically to the powers that be, because that's where all the power is derived from the one person, the leader. It's terrifying when you think of that for a country which has been built on exactly the opposite for so long.
2: My uh, very first mentor in the resistance was a guy who had grown up in Romania. Mm -hmm. And he said that it starts with the silencing of truth. Mm -hmm. When you know that you can no longer speak out loud and you have to whisper your thoughts. And we saw that happening. Trump came in and on the rise made the press the enemy of the people. Mm -hmm. It was just a classic move.
0: Yeah, I grew up in South Africa where, you know, the the amount of fear... You just had at the back of your mind, no matter what you did, it just lived with you. It was just there all the time because, you know, you don't know all the time if you're going to make the wrong move. But say, you know, you, the rules are so strict over there, even in terms of where you could sit or, or which buses you could take or how you could travel or who you could speak to. That constant fear is something that is hard to describe for people. And we're heading into a world in America that is going to be a lot like that. You know, Limit our speech. They'll tell you what you can't speak about. They'll tell you what you can't teach your kids. Uh, They'll restrict where you can move. There's all these things that start showing up and it's frightening. It's like a, a vice grip on your head. It really does limit what you're able to think of and you think of opportunities you might have in the future. It really is incredibly limiting for people. So, I don't know how we communicate that to America. I
2: think you just did. <laughs>
0: well, some of it, yes. But, I, you know, we should be doing more of that. I wish we could all teletransport back to, like, the apartheid South Africa and show people what it's like. It's not fun, you know? It's not fun for anybody. I don't think it's fun for the people who are doing the oppressing, nor is it fun for the people who are being oppressed, and it's certainly not what America's about.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, I just, I, I want to say I, I fully agree. I mean, doing the QAnon show, I think the most disturbing thing that we saw was how little... Regard young people that we were interacting with or talking to or just hearing about had for democracy as mm-hmm. a concept. Yeah. And how yeah. broad that was. Um, and I, I do. I think the hour is a lot later than anybody realizes. Mm-hmm. That's right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The level, uh, so many people be- believe things that are demonstrably false. It is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. And, and it is as if uh, nearly a third of the country or whatever is. Insane. They are not connected to real life of They mm-hmm. don't share what we do. And I've never seen that before. It spills over into COVID, of course, where not getting a vaccine is considered a badge of honor among mm-hmm. Republicans. They are willing to give their lives, to risk their lives and in many cases, give their lives to make a political point that, you know, what, <laughs> what is yeah, this it's, going it's crazy. on?
0: It's crazy. People
3: die. It, it, it may be a stretch of it. Bit, but if you go back to the Confederacy, there you had poor young white men who were cannon fodder giving their lives to enslave black people. I mean, it, mm. it's just sort of uh, astonishing an, how parts of this country the nuts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember in South Africa, there, there was a anything that you did politically. You, if you had a political conversation with a group of more than two people, was considered an illegal political gathering and you could be arrested for That's three people. I mean, that could be dinner, you know, that could be anything that would be considered. If you were overheard at dinner discussing something that was opposed to the South African government of the time, you would be committing a crime Uh and you could be thrown in jail. I mean, the consequences from that would be endless, of course. So you're, you know, it's not impossible to imagine this crowd who came up with that abortion law and who came up with all these other crazy laws for coming up with things that are that restrictive going forward in in America. And it's hard for people to imagine what it's like, but it's not fun. And it's certainly not fun being the pariah of the world, which is where America will be, in an event like that. I mean, if we keep going down this road into fascism, it's not like we'll be celebrated in the world the way we are now. We'll be looked at as pariahs.
1: pariahs yeah, day. I also think there's an important thing within this of like, even our, our notion of rights are getting, I, I think, intentionally mm. muddied mm. in the sense of where somebody telling you to shut up does not impugn your First Amendment rights. Right. Your First Amendment right is a contract with the government that they're not gonna throw you in jail. Right. And so the notion of like, oh, you, by saying you don't like me anymore when I do this, or even the notion of cancel. Like, cancel culture, in my opinion, is, or that notion of it, is much more to do with the fact that an employer can now fire you for anything, mm-hmm. uh, more than it is what people are saying on Twitter.
0: Right. That the who right.
1: actually those lost their job will talk to the company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but blame it on this sort of on uh, culture and these things that are real, like, I think that you wouldn't see vaccine skepticism. As high as it is, if it weren't for OxyCon. right? A good point. I,
2: yes, I, right. Good point.
1: In, in no way does that uh, sort of justify it or say it's okay, but it, it leaves an opening mm-hmm. for that criticism that it rings true for people for that reason. And so we also have to address these underlying issues mm-hmm. uh, that allow this disinformation to come out.
2: Can I just say one more thing about yeah, Deripaska? Since we're decloaking him, I'm a mom. I always have sympathy, and I always try to like send light to people, you know, and. Dara is from the Guinness Book of World Records, most polluted town in the world. And I find that just interesting to know that he's from a town that has, you know, more pollution than any other town because it was essentially a, you know, chemical weapons manufacturing town. And then he got out. And I guess he studied physics. I guess he had a mom who encouraged him to learn, and he got out. I'm assuming that's a profile of a guy who never wants to go back to that and will do anything that he can, including sucking up publicly on camera to Putin who called him basically a cockroach in that video. And so I just think that, you know, there's just something to be cognizant of there when we're looking at these people who are very rich and they are very scary. They don't want to go back to what they came from. And they're sort of forcing us into that, dystopian world and um we'll I cut think you off heidi if i can if that's
0: okay i just want to bring in glenn kirschner who's just joining us for a few minutes oh, yes. here towards the end of the show hi glenn how are you it's good to see you again
4: hey zev hey everybody how are we all doing
0: you're good good i uh, craig ungers here uh, jack bryan is here and heidi kuda who you've never met i don't think up until now but you got a chance to with all of this uh berlin brain trust we have tonight I'm glad you could join us i wanted to really talk to you about this bannon thing i am still kind of of two minds you know whether it should be going to the doj or whether it should be something that they decide within their committee and within the congress that they arrest him and put him behind bars with inherent contempt um or whether they should do, is, is the doj is not giving me a lot of confidence on a lot of things these days should i feel confident about the fact that they're going to be adjudicating bannon
4: I am cautiously optimistic. Uh, he, so I actually think, that they should be pursuing both vehicles to enforce their subpoenas. Mm. When you refer somebody for criminal contempt, I'll talk about that in a minute, to the Department of Justice for prosecution, what you're trying to do is punish the wrongdoer for being in contempt of Congress. Right. When you're using your inherent power of contempt, which the Supreme Court has repeatedly said is a lawful vehicle for Congress to enforce its subpoenas. Now, the Supreme Court hasn't said it since the 1930s because that's when Congress last used it, but it remains a lawful vehicle for Congress to enforce its own subpoenas. That is to try to get the the testimony, the documents, the information Congress needs in furtherance of its investigation. I see no reason why Congress can't be doing both, but let's Mm. talk about what they've chosen for a moment. Mm. They've chosen a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. I have every reason to believe that the US Attorney for the District of Columbia, Channing Phillips, whom I served with for decades in that office, will do precisely what the federal law requires him to do. Mm The federal law says once a criminal contempt referral has been made by Congress, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia shall, not might, Mm -hmm. not may, shall present the matter to the grand jury for its action. What does the action look like? Well, the action looks like a criminal contempt of Congress charge because Steve Bannon inarguably committed the crime of criminal contempt of Congress. There is no executive privilege. Donald Trump according to the Select Committee's own report, hasn't even tried to invoke executive privilege to protect Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon has no factual defense and he has no legal defense. I expect the grand jury in the District of Columbia will indict him. It will then move over to the courts. And the good news about a criminal prosecution, unlike civil litigation, which we know Donald Trump, Don McGahn and others, will weaponize the delay inherent in the civil litigation system endlessly to run out the clock to their own nefarious ends. In a criminal case, you can't really do that. If you have a prosecutor determined to prosecute the case in a timely manner, and you have a judge who refuses to cater to a litigant that wants a delay at every turn, the federal law, the Speedy Trial Act says prosecutors shall go from indictment to trial in 70 days now okay that, that's, that's only, a long time that's only sort of observed in the breach yeah. and the parties typically want to push federal trials well beyond 70 days but we don't have to so i think the signs are good that steve bannon will be successfully criminally prosecuted to what end Well, he'll use it as a fundraising vehicle, right? He'll go from the We Build the Wall Foundation, (laughs) which he used to steal money from Donald Trump's supporters, for which he was pardoned by Donald Trump. And then he'll go to the, you know, We're Held in Contempt Foundation, and -hmm, he'll use that as a fundraising vehicle. So, but I still think this is an important and necessary step for Congress to do everything it can to ensure Steve Bannon is criminally prosecuted.
0: It's certainly important just to have the power back. I mean, certainly the, the, it doesn't feel like the House has had its powers uh, for the last few years. So it's nice to see them executing some sort of attempt to get them back. I'm a little concerned. You know, the clock is not very long. And by the time we get to next November, the Republicans could be in charge of the House. And, you know, if Bannon is able to run the clock out a few times and we might not get to the fully formed conclusion out of this commission, which is really important to find out what happened yeah. on January 6th.
4: That's a great point, Zev, and that is what militates in favor of Congress using its own lawful power Mm -hmm. of inherent contempt. Because how will we feel if we look back from the end of our democracy Mm -hmm. and realize that Congress has never deployed its lawful power of contempt to actually make progress in the insurrection investigation. Mm. How are we gonna feel about that if mm. Congress has never done everything it could to save our democracy? I'm thinking we're not gonna to feel too good about that.
0: I'm gonna feel like I feel about the filibuster, you know, we were looking for extraordinary measures to be implemented these times and we're not really seeing them done yet, not in any of these uh, attempts to- to pass the law, the voting bill or here in the... It would be good to see the Democrats being a little bit more strident in their attempt here, but who knows if, uh, if there's some bigger strategy involved. Does anybody on the panel want to ask Glenn any, any questions, Craig or Jack, do you have any?
3: Yeah, I have just one question for Glenn. You, you, you were pretty convincing about the prosecutor being on the case, but what about the judge? Do we know it won't go to a judge who was appointed by Trump?
4: Let's hope it doesn't go to somebody like Trevor McFadden, who was appointed by Trump and has really embarrassed himself in the way he has let Donald Trump get away with weaponizing the delay in the system. But on the flip side, Craig, look at who just assumed responsibility, what judge assumed responsibility for the Donald Trump, you know, bogus executive privilege lawsuit that was just filed. Judge Tanya Chutkin, who I hate to sound like a name dropper. I used to try murder cases against Tanya Chutkin, when she was a public defender in the local courts of Washington, DC, decades ago. She is strong, fair, fierce, fearless, and she will put up with exactly zero Donald Trump nonsense. But it's a great question, Craig, because when and if Steve Bannon is indicted, hopefully that will be imminent. Let's hope we get a good judge assignment.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I have a question, actually. Mm -hmm. What is, let's say we're living in the universe where everything works out, everybody who should go to jail does and you know justice prevails. What is the, the the sign that you would like to see to indicate that that's the world we're living in? So I think the first necessary step if we're ever going to
4: hope to, you know, even minimally approach justice is criminally indicting Donald Trump for the many crimes he inarguably committed against the United States and against the American people. The problem is he has committed, and if we had an hour and a half, Zev and I have had this conversation, I could catalog all Donald Trump's crimes, you know, starting with, you know, if you only wanted to go back to 2016, yeah. the criminal conspiracy he was in with Michael Cohen to commit campaign finance violations to you know basically rob the voters of the full value of their vote he Mm -hmm. was never prosecuted for that that case would be like shooting fish in a barrel because you've got a co-conspirator for whom you know he he committed the crime for and at the direction of donald trump that you know give me three hours in front of a jury and i'll prove that beyond a reasonable Mm -hmm. doubt and then you know whether it's extortion bribery of president zelensky whether it's uh, obstruction of Congress by telling all of his executive branch officials do not comply with mm. lawfully issued congressional subpoenas whether it's witness tampering of ambassador Marie Yovanovitch in real time while she's testifying before Congress whether it is you know countless avoidable covid deaths yeah. you know maybe we will go the way of Brazil the Senate report that just came out on yeah. um, mm. President bolsonaro you know, there's, and how about inciting an insurrection, right? right? The criminal cherry on the treason cake. Yeah. Over and, and
0: over again. And,
4: and here's the problem yeah. if the Department of Justice does not prosecute crimes that we all know Donald Trump committed, it will be a political calculation. And today's Department of Justice will be no better than the Bill Barr. Donald Trump Department of Justice, because everything it did was a political calculation to benefit Donald Trump's criminal associates and penalize his perceived enemies. So it has to start with an indictment. I maintain Donald Trump is a federal problem, and we need a federal solution. That looks like a federal indictment, but you know what, if Georgia wants to be the first one out of the, you know, yeah. the starters blocks with a criminal yeah. indictment, God bless them. New York wants to be the first one out of the gate with a criminal indictment, God bless them. I predict when one jurisdiction indicts Donald Trump and one jurisdiction will, everybody's gonna wanna be the second jurisdiction (laughs) to indict Donald Trump because nobody wants to take the maiden legal voyage. Today, when I saw the report issued about President Bolsonaro, I mourn the fact that I'm no longer the chief of homicide at the DC US Attorney's Office because I would have been in the grand jury presenting all of the evidence supporting criminal charges for avoidable COVID deaths, not only by Donald Trump, but by Mike Pence as the Mm -hmm. head of the COVID Mm -hmm. task force, and Jared Kushner for that obscenity, Mm -hmm. that criminal obscenity by saying, let's let it run rampant through the blue states. I mean, this is criminal conduct.
0: For sure, and they profited off of it all the time. Any questions from the audience? Heidi, then, does anyone want to throw any questions for Glenn oh, or from you?
2: gosh, Glenn just energized everybody. They're <laughs> just so happy to hear what you have to say. Uh, there are two things. One is from me. Do you have a read on Deripaska and what this might mean for the overall Trump-Russia, uh, you know, investigations?
4: Boy, Heidi, I sure hope it's something other than, you know, he's violating sanctions how can this not go back to the mueller investigation how can it not but you know listen we're all (laughs) sitting here saying how can donald trump (laughs) not have been prosecuted yet so i am anxiously awaiting the unsealing of an affidavit in support of the search warrant for daripaska's properties to see what is this one about now we shouldn't you know get our hopes up that we're going to hear anything soon. Look at how long ago the FBI executed search warrants on Rudy Giuliani's house and office. They collected up his electronic mm. devices, and here we are how many months later, mm. with no criminal charges for Rudy Giuliani, you know so although the
0: statute just- of limitations might be running out on the, some of the Pasca stuff soon, so maybe there's some you know maybe they're doing some of this just to make sure that they've got something in on, uh, beating the clock there. We, we started off the show thinking that this was uh, at least a tip-off the takedown of Trump-Russia might be coming because, you know, we saw Steele on Monday, doing Christopher Steele doing that interview with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, we saw also today the attorney for Washington, D.C., the AG, including Mark Zuckerberg in the lawsuit against Facebook. So there's, you know, there seems to be a move, um, you know, Bannon this week as well, to do some things around the people involved in Trump-Russia, you know. Do you think that there might be something in there? I mean, are we uh, hoping against hope? I mean, you might have already answered it, but is there some symbolic meaning that could be read out of all these events happening uh, this week
4: we're i think we're moving in the right direction albeit far too slowly because public mm-hmm. safety is at risk and every day donald mm-hmm. trump is not arrested is not held accountable is another mm. day that we the people suffer mm-hmm. um but you know and I, and i and i Always go back also to the fairly recent arrest of Tom Barrick because mm-hmm. that could be a treasure trove of criminal mm-hmm. information about Donald Trump. I don't think Barrack, you know, with his fancy suits is the kind of guy who's going to thrive in federal mm-hmm. prison. Right. So I have a feeling it's good news that we've heard nothing out of that case up in the Eastern District of New York. Mm-hmm. A uh, U.S. Attorney's office, boy, because if Barrack is cooperating, you know, you, you you only need a couple of charges against Donald Trump. You can, can only confine a man for but one life. So let's mm. get off the dime. Let's charge him somewhere.
0: Yeah. What happens if Donald Trump is actually thrown in jail? Does he get Secret Service protection? I, I'm, and I'm asking only facetiously. Like, does he lose all those privileges once he gets thrown in jail, or yeah? So what,
3: what? The, the orange matches his hair, doesn't it? Yeah. I think
4: <laughs> No, I I kind of view him the way I view my long term cooperators who, you know, cooperate with our investigation and then they have to serve long prison terms anyway. They go into the um, Bureau of Prisons Witness Protection Program. It's generally sponsored by the U.S. Marshall Service. So I suspect Donald Trump's security would be handed off to a combination of the Bureau of Prisons and the U.S. Marshall Service, and they would put him somewhere safe.
0: I'm enjoying that vision. I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Um, certainly seeing him in a, in a prison outfit would be a, would be a welcome thing for everybody who had to suffer through his, uh, his election and his term as, as president. Uh, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Is there any last words you wanted to share with our audience about your podcast and about your other terrific work that you do?
4: Yeah, um, uh, the podcast Every Day is a new video with uh, legal analysis du jour. It's Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner on YouTube seven days a week. We don't miss a day. And of course, you can find me on Twitter. It's Glenn Kirshner two i hope to be promoted to glenn kershner one someday
3: but <laughs> as of right now i am glenn
4: kershner two and i think i will forever be so we support that promotion, though questions as, as all day all night on twitter so those are a couple of places you can find me
0: definitely one of the best uh, twitter feeds out there we welcomed uh, you to our show and we hope you'll come back again glenn thanks very much for being here tonight
4: it's great being with you Seb. good seeing everybody
0: likewise have a good night thank you glenn you too well, it was nice to have Glenn drop in there. He's so nice and refreshing. It always gives me a lot of yeah. hope, you know. Uh, thank God there's people like him who've worked in the public sector and uh, and continue to do the good work even once they're gone. So um, that was positive. I felt like there were some good takeaways from there, although it didn't seem like Donald Trump was going to get thrown in jail anytime soon, nor uh, Bannon. But as we wrap up the show, I want to get some last thoughts from you guys about, you know, are we heading into a an election season that's even going to be even more frightening than 2016, that we haven't really seen any of the things fixed or repaired that brought us 2016. Are you anticipating an election season next year and into 24 that is going to be any better?
1: Yeah. So the way that I always look at elections at this point is that whatever it is that will determine the next election has not happened yet. Hmm. So there's no... Things are going to happen. A lot of things are going to happen that haven't happened yet, and they're all going to be determinative, Uh, but they haven't happened yet. So I think that right now the focus should be on fixing our institutions, on attempting to really deal with getting ourselves out of the trouble that we're in and focus a little bit less for now on the election, um, just because I think that, you know, who knows, it's jump ball, but there are real serious problems that we have in front of us that we do know about and that Mm -hmm. we can solve and that solving those things will actually help us get to the election. And if we do those things, that actually might be the answer of what determined the election, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it depends on what people do between now and then.
0: Yeah, it seems like the time is now, right? There's no, there's no time to be messing around. It's time to jump in and do whatever we need to do. Craig?
3: Yeah, I, I'm pretty pessimistic. And I, I, one is I'm pessimistic about next year's uh, elections just because of voter suppression and the gerrymandering and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that's been out there. But uh, there was an interesting piece in the Washington Spectator the other day by Jonathan Weiner. And it took apart uh, some of the memos uh, regarding January 6th and analyzed them really as blueprints for everything that can go wrong and will go wrong and will be used again in 2024. And that is what is really disturbing. And there there are uh, ways of trying to uh, disallow the votes in various states so that everything is thrown to the House of Representatives, and there Republicans will have a majority of state delegations. The Democrats now, of course, control the House in pure numbers, but there are more Republican delegations that are probably going to be worse two years hence.
0: It does look like they've built a framework that will allow them to hijack the elections in 24. I mean, it's certainly, if everything succeeds the way they want it to succeed, they will, they will win a majority of the state houses, and they'll win the House and and maybe the Senate next year, and then they'll be able to really rig the presidential in in 24.
3: There's so many mechanisms that we have that are completely undemocratic. I mean, one of the most vivid examples to me was something like 86% of Americans are for background checks if you're buying weapons, Mm -hmm. but 10% senators representing 10% of the entire population can block such a law.
0: So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a just
3: crazy, um, crazy the way things power is parceled out in the less mm-hmm. populated Western states and so forth.
2: I think all the tricks we're seeing are the kind of tricks you see from a deadly dying party. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all these things because they don't have the numbers, and because Americans, young Americans in particular, who will have the power. Uh, are embracing of progressive values. So all these things that we're seeing, all this scary stuff is because they are desperate. And we have seen time and time again in the history of this country, that when we activate our base and when we dial in our messaging as we just did here in California, when uh, dark money Republicans tried to steal our perfectly adequate governor, you know, we crushed it. I know, I know we're in California.
0: Yeah, but but turnout matters. Turnout matters. And that's how they won. It
2: does. And particularly when you look at Russia and their chicanery, Mm -hmm. they noodle margins. They don't make it very obvious. So it's like mobilize the base with great messaging. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if we have to, we're going to have to hit the streets because I'm not naive at the amount of voter suppression that's going on. So... Yeah. yeah, but turn out, man, turn out, gotta, turn out. That's a big get deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm going to leave you on a uh, little bit because I don't want to leave this uh, undone, this one slide that I want to share with you, because it does sort of lead into why I have some optimism. The coalition that gave us uh, Trump-Russia, you know, involved countries, involved nation states, but it also involved people, uh, involved uh, Michael Flynn, is still very much around, but, uh, you know, he's, dri- he's driving off the deep end, it looks like. But nevertheless, still very much the one person who's out there actively involved. Bannon, who we know could be heading to jail soon, representing maybe China, people say. Prince, who was a representative of the UAE, or at least just the UAE, maybe more, and maybe Israel as well. And Jared Kushner was representative of Israel. I mean, all these players are sort of not engaged in the game anymore, and neither are the nation-states that are the back them. i mean they've all been taught their lessons or at least have gotten adequate payoffs or warnings russia has got nordstrom too so i believe that's going to make them happy enough to stay out of elections for a period of time beijing is having its all sorts of economic problems and the last thing they want is any more turbulence economically the uae has been told off uh, by the biden administration in no uncertain terms and bibi netanyahu has gone from israel so maybe there's something in all of that to take some positive inspiration from that you know we're no longer. Uh, have this weird coalition of friends and and adversaries that are gonna be targeting America as overtly as they have up until now. So so that's at least might be one positive takeaway. And other than that, you're absolutely right, Heidi, turnout and uh, people getting involved, as you mentioned, Jack and Craig, this is a very important time for Americans. So hopefully people take it seriously. And hopefully we will also see some people going to jail from the start of the show. You know, this is all about, uh, is the takedown happening? Boy, it would be nice to have something actually show up in terms of the jail term for some of these leaders. Um, it's
2: necessary.
0: Absolutely. Any other thoughts for anybody? We're going to say goodnight otherwise. Jack, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you?
1: Uh, yeah, so we've uh, I've just started a company earlier this year called uh, Bunker Crew Media. We have a uh, podcast we're producing called Kremlin File. The oh, yeah. um, uh, hosts are Monika Kamara and Olga Lottman. It's great. It's a great show. That's we're what the guys also- from
0: Madea's Touch, right? Is that right? Or... Is that a different oh, yeah, one?
1: We're doing as touch as well? Yes, oh, yeah. we're doing, uh, and then also we're basically over the last four years. Uh, we've collected a lot of the, just the craziest stories we've ever heard. So we're doing a series of mini series podcasts that are sort of true crime with an espionage, uh, angle right. that all kind of relate to these operations that we're talking about today.
0: That's gonna be really interesting. i I think i might live one of those stories so i'll share some with you in a different life (laughs) (laughs) craig uh, people can of course buy your book american compromise but where else can they find you
3: great yeah well i'm sort of going in hiding i'm in the early stages of uh starting a new book and i'm not quite ready to talk about it but uh, i will be tweeting occasionally and uh, my twitter handle is craig hunger uh and uh you know
0: so no matter how much i ask you're not going to tell me what it is does it doesn't it, no, it, we'll it, know it'll be rude it'll we'll be rude it. i have a nice uh, yeah. picture of your of your book there's the american compromise the craig unger book pick it up it's really an incredible book it gives you all the dirt and why you can believe that trump was a russian asset all along from the 1980s right i mean all the way back to 1984 i think is when you were able to find traces. Exactly. When, wow. in, in
3: 1980 he bought uh, all this television from an electronic shop that turned out to be a KDP front and that's how mm-hmm. it all started
0: i love that yeah. story it's so good and uh, everyone can read it in american Compromat. thank you both for being here tonight we really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll have you back on the show in the future i'll be back on friday night with lb and greg oliar for the friday after show and with that it's good night from everyone here at narrative have a good night everybody narrative is made possible by viewers like you Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.